I'm not saying I try to be the loudest in the room, but I do try to give give space for those that I manage to be able to speak up and speak first, ask them about their opinions, ask them to show up as well. Social Pros listeners, welcome to this week's episode of the show. I am Daniel, usually your co-host. I'm actually flying solo this week. Our beloved co-host Anna Harak is somewhere in the world on vacation. And as much as I wanted to force her to phone in from a lazy river with a margarita in her hand, I decided to, well, we gave her the, we gave her the week off. So we are recording solo today. But we have a great show in store for you uh, with Maria Spector at Social Chain. Before we get into the show this week, we want to give a shout out to our show sponsors. And we highly recommend you go check out our amazing show sponsor, ICUC. They are experts in online and social media community management, something we'll talk about today quite a lot. And they're here to remind the world that there are real humans behind brands. Communities don't manage themselves. It requires strategy, it requires goal setting, and an understanding of your audience. And fortunately, the team at ICUC put together a free guide to help you do just that. You can get that guide at bit.ly slash ICUC community and also schedule a free consultation while you're there. That's bit.ly slash ICUC community, all one word, all lowercase. And now this week's episode with Maria Spector at Social Chain. So Maria Spector, Director of Content and Social Media at Social Chain. Welcome to Social Pros. Thanks so much for being here on this week's episode. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I just absolutely adore the work that you guys do. Absolutely love all things social. So I'm stoked to just jump in. Awesome, awesome. I think we've had a couple of your friends on the show as well. So I'm glad you're you're finally joining the community of uh, of guests here. Uh, give us a, a brief rundown on Social Chain. What is what is it you're up to at Social Chain for those who are not familiar with you or the, or the work that you do? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. Um, so I'm a director of content over at Social Chain. Uh, ultimately, we work on all things social media. So basically where I come in is really kind of looking at what is the most converting content, content series, evergreen um, or promotional content that we can do for our clients, right? And We've managed clients anywhere from tick the you know the full service of TikTok versus like Afterpay, Italki, and all these iconic brands kind of out there. Social Chain as an agency, we just got actually acquired by Brave Bison, so they're a little bit more on the media side. However, we are global, right? So not only are we doing media, but we're also doing social. So I primarily live under that social media umbrella, but I mean all facets of social, right? We've got teams across strategy, across community. We've got, um, you know, myself on the content side, and so kind of anything that you can think of. Um, but that's the kind of like the too long did read of who I am and a little bit about the agency. Uh, awesome! Well, congratulations about the acquisition. I, it's uh, it is a fuzzy line between media, social media, kind of all of the things. Um, but you, you actually touched on something. You, you used a word anyway that that brought something up. Um, I think is meaningful to you is the is community, which is really, uh, it's been a theme I, I have noticed in the last year or so in social media. Uh, in general, is the is the sense that a lot of brands are finally getting the getting with the the game, they're like realizing that they have to come to the table with a sense of community in mind and not necessarily kind of marketing, uh, which has been 
I, I grew up in this business. It's been nice that we're we're finally able to have those conversations with brands. Uh, uh, I've been on the agency side and on the brand side too, but uh, sometimes as agency partners, it could be kind of a tricky conversation to have. You could feel like sometimes it's a little antagonistic, but uh, what is your kind of what is your take on where brands are right now, kind of embracing that that evolution uh, toward community first thinking? This is such an amazing question. And I feel like there's been a huge discussion right now across, you know, social media managers alike. And one of the big themes that I'm seeing is that, well, there's a couple that I want to kind of touch on. And the first one being that there's still this kind of social is sales mindset. And I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the kind of like long term leaders in the space that have never believed in social still have that mindset, right? So they are thinking, promote, 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 sales, sales, sales. And so they don't really understand that, you know, it's the curiosity, it's the storytelling, it's the POV that's going to really kind of drive in all of those sales, right? Social media is brand awareness. It's just not your pillar pillar to sell. I mean, if you want to put, you know, uh, paid first, yes, that makes sense, right? We think about, you know, dark ads, that's where you want to make the sale. But social itself, when you're going into the comments of TikTok, of Instagram, um, you're seeing like threads now, right? It's, it's this positive impact of community. And so I really want to think about like that not one size fits all, right? And this leads me into my next point of this kind of savage social, this um, kind of, I don't know if I can actually say this, but almost like uh, there's like a porn language that's kind of happening across social media, which people want to kind of go in and they want to say, or oh, braids want to come in and they want to do what Wendy's did back in the day, right? They want to get a little crazy. They want to get a little risque, but it doesn't mean that that is what belongs to that brand. If you're say in that, in the tech space and you're speaking to advertisers, you're probably not going to pick up the tone of voice. That's going to say, Hey, we're talking about um, sex or porn or whatever else. Like, I mean, we just saw this with chase in 2019 where they, you know, tweeted something that didn't align with their community. And so they ultimately got flagged. They had to take their posts down. Pizza Hut recently tweeted something that was a little bit more sexual, a little bit more edgy, and people came at them because they said, how does this make sense for the brand? This is not what we envisioned. So there's a little bit more offense. So I think that there's still a disconnect when it comes to community in general, right? It's, it's all the brands want to follow this one strategic pillar, but it doesn't fit all of them. And so... A lot of times I think they want to lean into humor, but they're not, but, but that's not enough. There's no supporting story behind it. They're not picking the right timing to tap into that kind of like humor aspect. And so I think where brands really need to start is thinking about one strategy first, right? How, who is our target consumer? How are we looking to communicate with them? How are they communicating on their own, right? And then leaning into either the tags or the communities that their audience is a part of. And so it, it, kind of a supporting factor here is if you look at some studies that TikTok actually put out is story time and POV have almost like 1 trillion views based on like a vast audience, right? And so how can, how can these brands reach that kind of story time and that POV, right? And that's going to be through your community, through your social media listening, and again, gearing that to whomever is following your brand. Um, and again, not one size fits all, right? But there is a formula to do it right and a formula to do it right that performs with your brands. Yeah, and we've seen so many examples of brands that they, they I mean, it's uh, in some cases just performative the way they're, they're kind of they're treating 
their presence on TikTok or Instagram. And in other cases, they just truly misread the audience, misread the room and kind of, you know, misread what the audience wants them, how they want them to show up in in that space. And there's been so many examples of kind of like, it feels like grandpa with the toupee, uh, trying to pretend to be cool, but that really is super awkward. And, you know, it's like completely out of place. Um, there are, but I think there are ways for every brand to show up really authentically uh, on social as much as I don't like that word. Um, how, what are, what are some ways that you've seen, I mean, TikTok is kind of a, a special medium because it, it does sort of edge toward more savage social uh, in general. I love that phrase. Uh, I, uh, I think it's a great way to describe because it, it's not necessarily like tear down savage. It's just savage social, um, which sounds like the beginning of a good show. Uh, what, what are some some things you've seen brands that may not have that edge to them do on on like a TikTok that can be authentic, but also uh, meaningful and kind of true to their brand? Yeah, such a good question, right? And there's there's a lot of brands that are really showing up for their community and really tapping into these social media tactics. Um, and when it comes to kind of like unhinged social with the best way of the word, right? We think of examples like Ryanair and we think of examples like Duolingo. And I saw a post recently on LinkedIn that was saying, um, you know, some, some company heads are basically dismissing social media managers that are in interviews and they are ultimately bringing these brands up as their like zeitgeist basically, because it's not going to work for a brand, like you said, that might not be in this kind of unhinged kind of sexy space. And so brands that I've felt that have had really, really, or really an amazing presence across social that didn't really tap into this would be brands like Heelys, right? So Heelys, you remember the, the shoes with that little like rolly on the heel. They're showing up by really tapping into the nostalgia factor. So they're not only leaning into trends, they're leaning into nostalgia. They're speaking to people who are millennials like myself who grew up with these shoes, right? And for me, I'm like, oh my God, like I forgot about Heelys as a shoe itself. So now they're top of mind, not only because of their social strategy and their tone of voice and their community, but I'm also thinking maybe I should get myself some because they seem a little cool, right? Like imagine me 32, just rolling around in some Heelys, but they're doing it right. So they keep that top of mind because I ultimately now I'm like tapping into this kind of old 13 year old me that used to have them. Um, you even see brands like, for example, like Sesame Street, they came out on Threads in uh, all their different different personalities, like the Big Bird and the Monster Cookie, and they were all essentially like talking to themselves. But they also tap into the nostalgia factor. So not only are they talking to the, uh, you know, the, the young millennial parents, but they're talking to people like myself who might have known about Sesame Street. But now I'm looking at Sesame Street and saying like, oh my gosh, I kind of like want to check out what they're doing on TikTok. And I want to see like what fun videos that they have, whether or not that that is something that speaks to me as something I'm going to watch every single day. But again, now thinking, hey, I'm going to tell my mommy friends that Sesame Street is doing X, Y, Z. I mean, and then there's, you know, the bigger brands. You've got KFC, you've got Auntie Annie's, you've got The Ordinary, Lanshin, Target, Duncan, all these amazing brands that also, they aren't really tapping into this whole unhinged savage social, but they're leaning into trends. They're telling the story with their brand and they're leaning into, hey, how's our audience showing up on social so that we can show up the same way, relate and create this, thumb-stopping, shareable experience. Um, and I think that they're just ultimately doing it right, right? They're not, they're taking risk, but a calculated risk. And again, not everybody's going to show up like the Duolingo bird sitting on a toilet and telling everybody that they're going to kill somebody if they use Google Translate the wrong way, right? That, that works for their brand. And Zaria Parbis, who is their global social media manager, 
it has set the tone not only for immigrant women like myself who never thought they could do something crazy like that, but for just social media managers as a whole to be able to understand that they can take risk and use them as an example, but again, pivot to the in the right way for their brand. Um, and again, like I said, we see that with brands like KFC and on Annie's and The Ordinary and all these others. I mean, even Glossier, who is who is creating a fun experience with their beauty products, they're showing up on lives all the time. They're they're really leaning into their community, giving away to people that comment and just again who are being present with their lives. Um, but there's again, there, there's a ton of brands out there, and there's not again right. We take it back to not one size fits all, but all of them have something similar that they're doing, and it always leads into that community factor. Yeah, and totally. We we actually had Glossier on the on social pros somewhat recently. So uh, I don't know, I don't remember which episode number it was. But if uh, you want to kind of if that sparked something, you can uh, certainly listeners go back in the archives that a uh, few episodes back. Um, they're doing some great stuff. I also love uh, brands. I mean, Duolingo, I mean, they were kind of the original savage brand. They're, they're, te- they're in app notifications are just they're they are like, they will definitely make me pause uh, i actually had to turn them off because i just feel judged that bird is that bird is real judgy uh it gets it gets me uh and i don't you know always have time for it so i don't i don't need i don't need to be reminded to go do my homework uh by by the bird anyway uh i do i do think they've trans brand wendy's is another that's been uh just like oh good at being you know not burger king uh i think burger king i don't know how we feel about the king but uh it's uh it's it's fun to see how they've translated made their brand you know kind of really come to life on social um that being said it's not true for that's not for every brand right mm-hmm. yeah exactly but i mean you know there's there's so many like i said there's so many ways to do it too and Speaking into the kind of the community piece, something that sparked or jogged my memory was that recently um, Chipotle had this stint where basically they had their huge community. They had a huge community outrage, I will say, that basically was like, why can't we make, you know, or why can't we add meat into our quesadillas, right? That's been a thing. I'm sure you've all gone to Chipotle, if that's your vibe, um, and have tried to order yourself quesadilla with meat. And, and, you know, people are like, well, I, I don't understand. It's the same machines. Why can't we do it? So basically there was like this huge outrage. They ended up you know, they they noticed that through social listening, they actually partnered with a creator to ultimately fly to Vegas and create this whole campaign around, hey, now we can actually, we're listening to you. Now you're going to soon be able to, to do this and order it within that app. So, you know, there, there's so many ways that this can come to life. And that wasn't even like a savage social unhinged situation. That was kind of like a spark out of the community columns. Like, hey, this has been an issue. Like, let's make it a thing like we we're listening to you we're gonna deliver this and you know i don't know the full detail of how long everything took but i just remember seeing that and i was like hey that's actually really cool they 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 listened they provided and i'm sure it's going great now but that was that was an amazing way to kind of like hone into to what you know people are people are saying on your brand on social for sure for sure and do you think that i mean in your experience working with brands is there a a place at a brand that may be kind of newer to social or they're trying to figure out how this really fits in their framework. Do you, do you think there's a place to say, Hey, you know, just, why don't you just pause for a minute and like, let's do some influencer outreach, really get a feel for how the community will be, will wish to interact with you on social before you just jump in and like 
present yourself to the world on on TikTok. Uh, do you think there's value in kind of sort of being walked into the room by some of the some of the the people in the community that really matter? I think that there can definitely be an argument. I mean, for me, the way I want to look at this is how can we set ourselves up for success, right? As you're building your social media strategy, right? It's like, what's important to us? Can we establish the tone of voice? Can we establish how we're going to show up? Because imagine if before you have your strategy in place, you kind of go headfirst into the influencer space, you hire influencers, you partner from mid to macro to whatever following they have, and they start creating content for you. Now, you have maybe an audience that, might be outraged, say they don't like that influencer or something happened with that influencer. How are you going to show up and how are you going to respond, right? But without that like strategy and community management strategy, in fact, like there's no way for you to deliver in an appropriate tone of voice. Like what is your, you know, crisis aversion? How is legal involved? Are you, do you have like that cutesy tone of voice or are you going to handle it like Ryanair does where, you know, somebody posts a picture of like, hey, I got a window seat. And they tweet back by circling a window, like a seat up and they go, well, there's your window, you know, like, is that the tone of voice that you want? So I think there you can, if you really want to take that risk, but ultimately it always is going to come down to how do we strategically show up for not only ourselves as a brand, but for our fan base as well. Um, But again, I do think that obviously curating an influencer strategy is important because right now it's the trust factor, right? We look at stats on TikTok and it's something along the lines of, um, I have this setup right here, but it's 72% say that they've obtained reviews from creators they trust on TikTok. So that is a staggering number that TikTok had provided for us of how consumers like yourself and myself are now trusting other individuals to find these reviews and, you know, take the take on this new skincare product or this clothing or say the language app, whatever. I mean, I know myself as an individual, like for the most part, I no longer look on websites. I no longer look on Instagram. I'm looking at curated reviews that people have across the board, right? It's, it's if I'm even, it doesn't matter what I'm shopping, but I want like a visual representation. Like if you got a face treatment and this is recent for me, it's like, I'm looking after that age filter that came out. I'm like, what other facial products can I use on my face to not age? I'm looking at, hey, what's the review for this microneedling treatment? Like did this, what's the, um, What's the worst thing that can happen to my face? Is this going to have a positive thing? Like maybe I want to look at a med spa that's down the street, right? It's like, I trust these individuals and maybe sometimes to a fault, but that's going to be important. As important as now my second leg is going to be looking at the brand after that. So once I found a creator talking about them, then I want to see, okay, how credible is this, this brand that I'm researching on their TikToks or their Instagrams? And I'm not saying that that strategy works for everybody, but I'm saying how like myself as a consumer, like typically shops for new products. I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I do a lot of, uh, I, I mean, travel is kind of my thing. And I have found myself for like hotel hotels, it's really difficult. I don't really use TripAdvisor as much as I used to because number one, a lot of that stuff is, it's just not recent. It's, you know, maybe three, four years old because of uh, all kinds of reasons. Um, just a, like recency sometimes is an issue there, but also I just don't feel like I have time for it. I don't want to look at all the photos, read the reviews. Like I really would just prefer a video of someone like, Hey, this is my experience in this hotel. It's really hard to find that kind of quality hotel content. So, uh, that may be, Hey, that's maybe a big market gap is just candid hotel videos. A lot of this, if you go on YouTube and search for hotels, like often the hotels sort of promo video, which are terrible, 
uh, or it's been, it's just all very, so random, you know? Um, so I think that's true. And I remember from, uh, my time working in, uh, with some CPG brands there, uh, there was, uh, this concept that the in me, on me, around me research, uh, that suggests people put place higher scrutiny on things that they're going to take and put in them. So food, supplements, whatever, or they're going to apply to their skin. And then kind of the third layer is like the stuff around. So, you know, the, the environment around you, but things that you are going to take or put on your skin, people do apply a higher standard to. So uh, I think it makes, you know, it makes sense uh, for influencers to have a big role there. Um, I've, I've noticed too on TikTok, just like my, my for you page, it's filled with, uh, with TikTok shopping. Like, I don't know if that's just because it's been kind of turned on more widely, but, uh, it's almost a little too much, right? <laughs> I know I, I want to know your experience, but it's, it's, it's been, uh, kind of an awkward transition to sales on TikTok. Yeah, that's, that's, uh. Great point. And I have a love hate relationship with this because I need to cut up my credit cards because it's anytime I get beat by my own game on social, like I know that a brand is doing it right. Because usually if you can sell to a person who is using your content as research, again, you're tapping into that like psychological power. Um, it's kind of interesting that you brought this up too. It's uh, I was reading today. And well, one, TikTok recently just launched an ad transparency library, which is really cool. So now you yourself or myself can look up and see what our competitors are doing um, in the ad space on TikTok, which is a great release. Um, but apparently now that there's a new shop feature that is being tested. So this is a collaboration between kind of influencers and brands, which is very, very similar to that Instagram shop features that we saw. Again, love-hate relationship because on one end, right, it's like, oh my God, I'm tired of being sold to um, because I'm weak. <laughs> but on the other hand, right, it's it's if there is a need and there's a want and there's an understanding through all the research that, you know, we are consuming, we are obviously in a, in a consumer economy, um, and it's working across TikTok, then why not? If this is the next leg up for brands, like this is going to be an absolute win, because the easier that you make it to access your product and to actually shop online, you know, through like the the Apple Pays and saving your card and all of that, like, that is not only brand exposure, but that is like ad, that is dollars without ads. Um, so personally, I think it's a win, but I also just cannot believe that I will probably be spending more money that I don't need to spend, and that is my own problem that I probably need therapy for. So, <laughs> I, I've 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 definitely got impulse control issues there too. So it's been an unwelcome addition to my already extended amount of time I spend on TikTok is the credit card bill at the end of the month. Uh, but you know what? There you go. You mess with the bowl, you get the horns. That's that's how it goes. But I think I feel like on TikTok, there's going to be this sort of uh, emergence of, you know, on the YouTube, there's the click subscribe, click bell notifications, leave a comment down below. Like it, it's there's going to become that sort of thing. It's like, oh, geez, it's just a bunch of that kind of happening on TikTok, just in a different way. Like, if you love this, click on the link. Why now? Um, hey, but that's just the way it's going to that's just the way it's going to be. They got to make money somehow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, thinking, thinking about how much money these brands are, are spending for, you know, their influencer campaigns to be able to sell their product. This is that just like leg up. I mean, you see a lot of this with, you know, influencers talking about, and this is a lot of my for you page where I'm getting inspiration for for fashion, but 
you know, shop by, what is it, the LKT page or whatever. Like people are generally looking at these pages to see what these influencers are wearing, how they're wearing them, getting inspired and buying them. I mean, we see like, for example, like Abercrombie has really, really, really tapped into this, like through their inspiration, through their collaborations. And lo and behold, probably the shop feature coming at you. But it's like all I see in all these shops from these influencers is everything Abercrombie. So like they're basically like monopolizing the whole Gen Z style and like really pumping that interface across across TikTok. So, I mean, I only see positives for brands. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of outrage for the like everyday consumer because of, you know, we are headed into that recession. Like, I mean, we're seeing all the all the layoffs happening. So it's like people really are tightening up their budget. But the way we keep the economy going, right, is to spend. So double-edged sword right there. Got to find new ways to sell. And TikTok seems to be the thing of the day. Uh, for sure. It's going to kind of eat Pinterest lunch, I think, because now you, you don't have to like even bother looking on Pinterest for things anymore. You can just look on TikTok, buy the look or whatever it is in the video and you're, you're just keep going. Uh, I mean, and I'm seeing like what a lot of brands are doing is, is they're taking their TikTok videos, right? And they're cross promoting them and they're continually finding ways to basically download without the watermark. Because obviously if you've got the watermark, you're being penalized across other social channels. Like I mean, I'm seeing a slew of hack videos across my TikTok now of like upload into CapCut and downloaded through this feature in this way. And then you can re-upload to all these other channels. Like when I was working on brands that were primarily focused on Pinterest, it was like a lot of what we were doing was finding that kind of like creator content. We were building our own content. It was very video forward because a lot of people, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for inspiration visually versus kind of looking for like a static you know, static image that was really tiny that they had to like click into and take into a different blog where that's, yes, where Pinterest started. But a lot of people were gravitating towards TikTok because that kept their attention. So we had to pivot basically our strategy in terms of like how we were promoting our content as well. Well, while we're on this uh, thread about kind of commerce and social, um, what's your take on uh, on threads? Do you think that, um, do you think we're going to see some either more paid stuff on threads or do you think it's going to become like a platform more for a social commerce type of setup yeah great question i had just recently had this conversation where i was kind of debating on whether or not threads was going to do well it's kind of staggering to see the numbers where now they've had what over 150 million um, global downloads in what was 5.5 times faster than any other platform we've seen which in itself is mind-blowing but what happened right is is people hate elon musk so they go over to threads. There's a huge rise, huge downloads, but we're creatures of habit. So there's the drop. So then there's the drop off. So what's happening now, right? It's people are so excited over threads, but there was nothing really different than Twitter. Like, yes, the algorithm was a little bit different. And yes, there was a huge positive spin, which we all really loved. Like I, the second that I downloaded threads, I was like, this feels like a relief. This feels like me hanging out on Facebook in 2013 or hanging out on Twitter when it first launched and just like, you know, saying dumb things with my friends. Like that's exactly what it felt like. But myself as a person who's just so embedded in social media platforms, the last thing I wanted was another platform to kind of look at. And I have a feeling that because there's such a huge conversation around anxiety and depression and this kind of need to always be online, I think that people are kind of like pulling away. And again, this is a personal opinion, personal thought, people pulling away from threads. Now, we saw this too, like even with uh, when Netflix came out and they threaded, I almost said tweeted, 
when they threaded, um, you know, social media managers, are you okay? And they had like something over like either 6,000 likes or responses. But you see all these like social media managers that are like, we're tired, like we're tired of another platform. We're over this, you know, but then you have the Sesame, like the Sesame Street example, where it's like they went in and they created a different kind of like thread account for all of their characters. And they created something so fun and exciting out of it. And it was so different than what everybody else did, because we saw every other brand that came in and was like, hey, is this on? Hey, we're here. Just hi. So all in all, we'll see what happens. Um, but I've heard a lot more arguments than not saying that this kind of similarly to Lemon 8 will also flop. But I mean, with Elon's rebrand right now to X, who knows? Honestly, it's every single day there's something that's happening and something different. So I feel like it's a little too early to know. But we have to remember that it also took all these other channels, you know, months to years and years and years to actually grow and progress and build something beautiful and amazing. But I will say it is just exciting to see the, the staggering number of downloads on its first go. So huge win there. But again, we'll see. I'm not as hopeful as maybe some. I feel like anytime uh, Twitter slash X comes up on this show, uh, or in general, but on this show in, in particular, we always have to add a caveat about the timing because it, I mean, midnight tonight may be a different story. We may have a new name change. Uh, so we always have to put kind of a date caveat as of today when we're recording this episode, you know, Twitter is now X, but I don't know if that's going to remain the case. So stay tuned, I guess, is always the, the thing. But um, yeah, that's, that, was, that was a big change. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what will happen. Um, I can't say I agree with a lot of the changes that are happening in house. And I there's I don't know if there's a method to the madness. Um, you know, as always, social is ever changing. And there was a huge exodus from from ad dollars, I know, on Twitter, and a lot of brands were pulling away. So if they could take their strategy elsewhere, you know, threads was the place to ultimately do it. But you're right. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Twitter. And who knows, you know, it's like one second Elon says he's no longer the running CEO, yet he's still super involved with the rebrand. So I think we're all, you know, guesstimating, but I'm sure brands are going to stick with their Twitter strategy for now, because it seems like it's still an avenue for brands to kind of keep that unhinged social alive. Yeah, if ever the if ever we had a moment in the eras of social media community management for it to feel like if you, you know, to, uh, it's a fair question to ask social media managers, are you okay? Because it has been a summer already with, with all the changes at Twitter X now threads, it has been a summer, but it is the business, right? It, it is the business of change. It truly is. Yeah, it We'll see. We'll see is like my everyday mantra. Honestly, I am Zen. We're going to see. I'm just going to roll with the punches. And I think that that's kind of like every social media individual's kind of mindset, right? It's like we have to be adaptable every single day because who knows also what new platform is going to launch. Like, you know, in the UK, there is a new social platform called We Are Eight. I know a little bit about it, but hey, there's it's it's coming out, coming out. There's new things. And I'm hoping that I said that right. And they don't have threads. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about UK, but EU still does not have threads. So that's interesting. 150 million, including very few in the EU who maybe they don't want it anyway. But uh, I mean, hey, if you've still got the 150 million 
downloads, like you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, or you tapped into that nostalgia piece that we kind of talked about earlier. Yep. Yep. I, I read it was um with threads a lot of a lot of users in India and Brazil. It's kind of their that's where a lot of their downloads are now coming from is India and Brazil. And that kind of makes sense. Like in my experience, I've worked in in social media in years past, uh very the the days of if you remember what that was uh, one of the many Google experiments um, it was a hot commodity in in Brazil to get an Orchid invitation it was a hot commodity uh, they're always looking for new kind of social things in Brazil so it didn't surprise me at all I love yeah that. one of the things you mentioned in the notes uh, for the show you there was the this notion that you value both speed and creativity and I just wanted to ask a question about that. Do you think one matters more than the other when it comes to social, does speed trump creativity or vice versa? I think that you compromise one when you have more of the other. And it also depends, right? I think everybody's a little bit different. I know that so Matt Navarre, he's another social expert. He talks about this all the time where there was a thread of his on LinkedIn where he kind of chatted about how he doesn't really know many social media managers without ADD or ADHD, right? Because our brains work a little bit faster and a little bit differently than most. So we always are going a million miles an hour. But what I've found, right, is like with speed, I would all co always compromise certain mistakes, like where it would be like spelling and or a piece of the creative that I missed. Um, there were like little details that I would overlook. And, and granted, that took years to really, really hone in on. But I see that a lot with like people I've managed as well, where it's you know, a lot of times for them, it's the creativity is what takes the time. It's they're spending weeks looking and, and finding that inspiration and how can we make this better? And they're going up till the very, very last second that we send out a brief or a deck or whatever, because they're constantly evolving their ideas. I am in the camp of always like working both, having like some sort of synergy, right? Because especially with agencies, you can't really, you don't have time at your leisure, which is, which is rough. When I've worked in-house, in I felt like time was kind of my freedom playground. I felt like I just had endless bouts of days to be as creative as I wanted. I could, I could sit and scroll all day. And here, I don't really have that. And, and what I found works for me, right, is that now, and I hate how I always, I will always preach, right, work-life balance. However, if you want to not compromise the creativity piece with that speed, it's, it's now social media itself becomes a piece of research. So now when I'm scrolling, when I'm in bed, when I'm walking to my car, when I'm like sitting on my couch, everything becomes kind of like brand research. So I'm looking to see how are these brands showing up? What are my friends posting? What's the new thing? What are experts saying? I was just on my honeymoon in Ireland and I literally had to tell my community, my community on LinkedIn literally was like, if I see you post one more thing on LinkedIn, we're all blocking you. And I was like, I respect you guys for saying this because I needed that. But I don't know how to turn off because, again, I would compromise my speed when I got back because then I don't have any creative kind of input, right? So it's kind of a loaded question. And I think that social media, uh, you know, experts and individuals, they, they just know how to work fast and they have kind of a creative bank in the back of their brain running at all times. So for us, social media looks a little bit different than the average consumer. Um, so I can't say that I answered that question appropriately, but... Again, there's always a compromise somewhere and social media managers are always on. Yep. Yep. It is a constant battle for speed and creativity. Uh, and they, those, those two things don't always go together, but sometimes you get that, that magic. I feel like, uh, I feel like some brands 
they just they either have armies of people working in social and so they always come up with creative ideas or uh they they just got their stuff i don't know they're always kind of right on the trends and funny and witty and fun to follow so um yep yep for sure and i mean also with that being said right it's like we've had i've gone through so many rps where brands will come to us and they say hey we have an internal team we have people that we work with but we need an agency that's basically on top of every trend we want to be that first and be that everlasting and we want you guys to basically support us so basically what i'm RFPing is how to stay on trend i'm not even looking at you know a series that we could put out i'm not looking on you know kind of like always on content i'm looking reactivity is like what people are hiring us for too so you have to think when you look at a brand that's yes a lot of times it is a one individual team but they're probably working with multiple agencies um they're working with multiple individuals and they're probably you know cross-functionally working with individuals to say like hey what about this how about this how can we creative here? how can we be creative here so i think that social teams are evolving and for the better which is so exciting because when i started in my career it was a you know one woman show if I were lucky, because I would be spread across multiple departments and also managing social. So it was impossible to always stay on trend and feeling like I could be my creative best self. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground uh, on on this episode. I want to make sure we um, give listeners a chance to know where they can connect with you and also connect with social chain. Where is the best place? Sounds like LinkedIn may be questionable, but where is the best place to follow uh, to follow you? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best bet. Um, it's just, you know, dash Maria Spector. So you can find me there. I'm sure it'll be kind of like linked in the notes, but I'm pretty active there. Um, I took a three-month hiatus, but I'm back and I'm posting and I'm always in the community. So I love kind of getting into the, the nitty-gritty. Yep. And what about uh uh and what about social chain? Sure. You can kind of take a look at um Brave Bison and there's, you know. A, a ton of different areas that you can kind of lean into social chain being one of them um take a look at our social chain we're primarily uk based but our social chain linkedin as well you can kind of take a peek at my linkedin there and i'll link you directly to the agency. awesome awesome well as you know maria we can't let you off the hook on social pros until unless and until we have posed the final two questions if you feel up for it we have i have i should say the questions ready for you all right, lay it on me. All righty. First question, if you could give a piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro, what would it be? Great question. I would say speak up and speak first. I have had a lot of learning to do with this one as well. I think just, again, culturally, my life was a little bit different. I was born in Russia, came over here. And so obviously, like I was raised to always kind of like sit back as an immigrant and not say my piece and be more so the quietest in the room. I have a very big personality. So for me, that was really tough. So then I had to unlearn that. And I wish that early on in my career, I spoke up about the social ideas that I wanted to promote, the things I wanted to do, the the ways that we can show up, because I feel like I would have excelled a little bit quicker and a little bit stronger in my career. Um, now, I'm not saying I try to be the loudest in the room, but I do try to give give space for those that I manage to be able to speak up and speak first, ask them about their opinions, ask them to show up as well. So creating and cultivating that space that I didn't have as an individual. Um, so absolutely speak up and speak first where and when you can. I love that. And I love that you uh, 
you give that space to to your team that because you know being I'm more of an introvert I not more of I am an introvert uh, so uh, having someone sort of you know give that space in my career has been really helpful when I've had those those uh, colleagues and peers I've always just really appreciated and gravitated toward them so uh, I'm grateful to hear you're cultivating that too. Uh, question number two, if you could have a video call with any living person, who would it be? This person is not necessarily somebody who is social first, I guess I would say, but obviously I love Freak Ocean. He's right back here, wherever he is. Um, I just, from the social perspective, outside of just loving his music, um, I want to know kind of like his strategy behind being like very Tumblr first being under the radar, kind of where his PR team sits in terms of like how he's releasing his music, how he's releasing his statements and how he can be so incognito and be so like top of mind for many, many people. Um, I think it's just very unique and very different when you look at, you know, kind of artists in his space. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of, you know, battling the instinct to think you have to be everywhere. I'm always so impressed when, when I, you come to know someone who's like, yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't do those things. Uh, I'm in one place or I'm not even in any of them, but uh, I'm still a delight and uh, famous and beloved all the same. Oh, 100%. And I mean, you look at artists like Russ in the hip hop and R&B space, and he's all over TikTok, all over Instagram, collabing with his artists and his fans 24-7. All I see is that just him on his social platforms, right? Two different artists, two different strategies, and both extremely successful. Yep, he's doing what he's doing what works for him. And that is uh it's always fun to see. Well, Marie, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's been a delight getting to know you and and uh kind of learning about some of the things that are happening in your world and in social in general. Um and uh, yeah, community is it is the the thing. I think we are in the era of communities and brands kind of being a shared thing. So I'm glad that we had a chance to dig into it. People first always, but thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciated this and it was freaking fun and let's do it again. Yep, absolutely. And Social Pros listeners, thanks for being here for another episode of what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world, Social Pros. Social Pros.